0: This webinar recording is brought to you by Islam and Liberty Network. If you are looking for more, you can find it on our website at islamandlibertynetwork.org. No El-Harmouzi is editor of the Arabic language news and analysis site, Minbararhuriya.org of the Atlas Economic Research Foundation, Kato Institute USA, and University Professor at Ibn Tofail University in Kinitra, Morocco. He is also director of the Arab Center for Scientific Research and Human Studies in Morocco. He served as a university professor for five years at Paul Cézanne University in France, teaching economic development theories and economic philosophy and thought. The topic is Economic Freedom, Political Freedom, The Relationship After the Arab Spring.
1: Thank you so much for giving me this, this opportunity. And let's uh, start. And if you see my presentation, I will try to talk about economic freedom, or economic freedom and political freedom in the re- in this Region and uh, we'll take some examples of some countries to explain why we don't have and why not having a real economical freedom did not or cannot produce a real political freedom. And this is the explanation of the situation is in this region not having real economical freedom, but having kind of fake, kind of limited, despite of figures, economical freedom in this. Uh, So, uh, let me start by explaining the situation seven years or eight years after the Arab Spring uh, and what happened in this region. I just want to remind that uh, the situation of this region and uh, Arab upheavals, or what's called the uh, Arab Spring, had a clear economical underpinning. They were fueled by poverty, and unemployment, and lack of economic opportunities. So this is why thousands or billions of people, they took the streets and demonstrate and asked for more uh, political freedom and more uh, social justice in this region. But to explain the situation in this region, let's understand the background and why we arrived to this situation. The Middle East generally has been trapped in a real vicious development circle. This region excessively depends on natural resources and still till now, or aid, this dependence has prevents the emergence of strong private sector in the region. Till now, even after the Arab Spring, and for five decades after the independence, the state in the most Arab countries, oil and non-oil countries, the state is the most important economic actor. By doing that, the state eclipses all independent other productive sectors. When you talk about essentials of life, like food, like jobs, like shelters, Public services, etc. The state is continuing to be the provider of first and last resorts. To make all that working and functioning, the functioning of this system rests on heavy dose of subsidies, economic controls, and many other uncompetitive practices. This is the situation. The situation was able to work for 20 years, for 30 years, while a centralized bureaucratic system worked well, or quite well, for mainly for the ruling elites, and the narrow clientele that strive with their support, this system has failed to deliver prosperity, social justice to the majority of the Arab citizens. Neither the socialism of the 1960 or the 1970, because as we know, after the wave of independence, these countries tried the socialist solutions on, and policies, and they were not able to resolve the problem of this region, or the liberal economic reforms of the 19s. And mm-hmm. here, I want to stress, I will use the word, the so-called liberal economic reforms of the 19s, and I will come back to this, the so-called, because we had, Reforms in many countries such as Egypt, such as Tunisia, such as Morocco and Jordan. We present these reforms as liberalization of the economies, but the reality is a little bit more complicated than that. It was not liberalization, but it was rather crony liberalism or crony capitalism in this region because we changed the private sector, the public sector, by monopolistic private sector. And this is, again, till now, one of the big problems of this region. So the liberal economic reforms of the 90s, they were not able to dismantle a system of centralized control of discretion and privileges. So this is why this region when we talk about the public policies when we talk about the state this is why we have this kind of state and this kind of centralized administration we have also as i said before in parallel of the state of a huge bureaucracy heavy and uh, with high cost bureaucracy we have a crony private sector who is a mirror ima- image of the state. Our private sector, as I said, is crony inefficient, controlled by a tiny clique of elite families. They are tied to the ruling families or to the ruling regimes and part of a network of patronage. It's what Asimoglu call extractive growth or extractive regimes. The profits of this crony private sector, they depend less on their entrepreneurship abilities, but they depend more on their access to power and access to privileges. With few exceptions, major business fortunes in the region are accumulated, are created through patronage and through privileges. As consequences, the social contract that tied the citizens with the state, in which the state provided free health and free education, and put it between quotation free health and free education, the state gives subsidies to food, to the and they give jobs in the public sector has reached its limits. This is why we had what we called this, the so-called Arab Spring. And because the social cons- contract was not able to be, was not respected by the states, and the states was not able, the states they were not able to subsidize anymore because of the debt, because of the deficit. So we had the Arab Spring. Seven years after the Arab Springs, unfortunately, Nothing changed in substantial way. What is the situation? Currently, the situation is unfortunately harder, harsher. I will give you some examples. In 2017, the average rate of unemployment is estimated to 20 percent, 15 percent. This is the average: 15.4 in Tunisia, 15 in Jordan, 30 in Morocco. This rate becomes more important when uh, it matters, or in the case of youths, 30 percent of youth are in employed in this region currently, 30%, and 20% of women are uh, employed, unemployed. This is the highest rate in the world. This is the first big problem that I want to mention. The second big problem is the expatriation among graduates are among the highest in the world. The third point that I wanted to mention is the social fragility and the inadequation between the education and the job market. 48% of youth with diploma, they don't find they have a huge problem concerning the adequation of their diploma and the job market. This is what explains the immigration. Uh, this what explains why people are attracted by extremist movements because they are not able to find work in the job market and they can find sort of alternative by joining extremist movements and because they give them uh, money or they promise promise them to give them money. So I I, I don't want to give you a lot of numbers but eight years after the Arab Spring, the situation still extremely complicated and extremely fragile countries. Concerning the structure, the productive structure of this region. Economically talking, these countries, they have huge public debt. The total estimation of the public debt of the region is 50% taken into consideration. That's in monarchies or monarchies. Few examples, the public debt of Jordan is nearly 100%. The public debt of Egypt is 101%. The public debt of Lebanon is 150%. So to give you an idea about the deficits and about the debt. So as I explained in the beginning, this, we understand how the context impose this situation and what is the consequences of this situation so the question now what is the situation of economical freedom in this region and how the lack of this economic freedom impact the political freedom uh, till now there is no clear causality between economical freedom and political freedom in this region. We have kind of intuitions, and I will explain why. But generally, it's accepted that freedom, political, economical freedom creates political freedom or empower. Uh, Let me quote Mises here, explaining that free market economy is the base for political freedom. He explains that Freedom as people enjoyed it in the democratic countries of Western civilization in the years of the old liberalism triumph was not a product of political freedom, constitution, bills of rights, law, etc. The political freedom or these documents, they played only a role of safeguarding liberties. And freedom, firmly established by the operation of the market economy, against encroachment on the part of the state. So, uh, to explain it in simple words, economical freedom is the base of political freedom. And Mises uh, explained that, uh, Friedman explained that, Jack Bishbagwati and many other authors explained that. The reports, many studies. They explain that economic freedom promotes growth, job creation, prosperity, and other positive outcomes. The relationship between economic freedom and prosperity is quite evident. Individuals and families are best able, when they are free, to look after themselves when they are free to do so, without constraints. They drive and ingenuity have simply proved to be more productive than government planning or restricted markets and monopolies under coronavirus capitalism. So we have a report produced by Fraser Institute and in this report we can see the relation between economical freedom and other freedoms and the GDP and economic growth and, and other social economic conditions. And in this report Fraser Institute define economic freedom by five components. The first one is the size of government, expenditures of the government, taxes, and possibility to have private enterprises. Uh, the second is commercial and economic law and security of property rights the first is access to sound money the fourth point freedom to trade internationally the fifth point regulation of credits labor and uh, business so let me explain for those who does not know what are this uh, components of economic freedom so the first one is the size of government expenditures taxes and enterprises so this is the first component the first the first one indicates the extent to which countries they rely on individual choice and markets and markets rather than the political process to allocate resources and goods and services when government spending increases relative to spending by individual individuals households and businesses government decision making is substitute for personal choice and thus economic freedom is reduced The second component is the government uh, consumption. It refers to the extent to which the government itself provides goods and services. The third component of the first point uh, measures the extent to which countries use private enterprises and free markets rather than government enterprises to provide or to produce goods and services. So this is concerning the first point or the first area. The second area concerns commercial and economic law and security of property rights. This is a very important area. When we talk about that, we talk about we all know that security of persons, contracts, and rightfully acquired property are central elements of both economic freedom and civil society. The legal system is the most important internal function of government. Security of property rights, protected by the rule of law, is essential to economic freedom. This is concerning the second point or the second component. The third component, or the third area, access to sound money. Money is, as we all know, is essential to exchange. The absence of good money or sound money undermines gains from trade and erodes the value of property held in one monetary instruments. The fourth component is freedom to trade internationally, which is clear. Be able to exchange, be able to deal with uh, in international uh, markets. The first, the four, uh, the fifth, and the last point: the regulation of credit, labor, and business. When regulations restrict entry into markets and interfere, interfere with the freedom to engage in voluntary voluntary exchange, they as we all now reduce economic freedom so I will give you the results I was not able to put them in a small slide but the situation in the Arab world after seven years the last figures of 2017 it shows that Bahrain United Arab Emirates are free economically talking they rank uh, Bahrain ranked the first with United Arab Emirates Qatar Kuwait and Oman the fourth fifth and the sixth generally the both countries, they are much more free than monarchies, than the republics. The last one is Algeria, Sudan, Egypt and Libya. And the Gulf monarchies are considered as quite economically free by this indicator. And this is, I think, an important point. Why, if they are economically free, they are not democratic and they are not politically free? And why, if we have this intuition or as explained by many authors, as I said in the beginning, by Mises, uh, by Friedman, by Jacques Baguati, and by the freezer report, economical freedom will permit or will be able to create political freedom, which is not the case. So the question is why they have this political, economical freedom and they are not politically free. As you may know, the Gulf countries are not at all free. So what is missing? So when you look into details, You understand that generally, uh, when we want to produce this kind of reports, we use generally available data. But sometimes we forget to look closely to details, and some details are extremely important to explain the situation. So, uh, just before give you few some examples, I want uh, to show the link between economical freedom, generally globally, and uh, political rights and civil liberties and political freedom or kind of democracy. So Fraser Institute, they show that greater economic freedom is generally associated with more political rights and civil liberty. So why this is not applied to this region? Generally, which is true, uh, when you have polit- economical freedom, when you have what I call the real economical freedom, we will have uh, political freedom and political rights and civil liberties. So this is to show the causality. So this let me take the example to explain why these countries—they are—they have kind freedom. We can find some uh, positive figures and some positive elements but we don't have um, a real uh, political freedom or political liberty. So uh, I want to take the example of four countries. The first one is Morocco and explain how we have kind of economical freedom and we have kind of political freedom but not enough to create or to engage Morocco in a real, economical, strong path of growth. I will take the second Case and I will talk about Tunisia. Then I will talk about Egypt. Then I will talk about Saudi Arabia and I will explain why I chose these uh, countries. In the case of Morocco, if I take another indicators who stress the nature of market economy in Morocco and explain the link or the correlation between market economy in Morocco. If we take the indicators of market economy in Morocco, we have six components to talk about market economy. And now I used another indicator. The name of the indicator is transformation indicator. And it's produced by Bertelsmann Transformation, uh, Bertelsmann Stiftung, which is a German organization. And they produce an annual index, in my opinion, more reliable to explain or more pertinent or more efficient to explain the situation in this region. So the indicator, the name of the indicator is BTA, Bertelsmann Transformation Index produced by Bertelsmann Stiftung, which is um, a German private organization. So, if we take into consideration this indicator, we can explain more and understand where is the, the missed part concerning the market economy and the political liberty in this region. If we take the case of Morocco, when we analyze the market economy, we can find some weaknesses which explain why we don't have in Morocco a real market economy. And in this indicator, uh, they are quite clear. They call them social economic barriers. And when we talk about social economic barrier, the question is to what extent are significant parts of the population is totally or fundamentally excluded from society. So my critics to The indicators of Fraser is they did not take into consideration this uh, this part or this component. So we can see that the economical freedom in Morocco. Even if we have kind of economical freedom in Morocco, but our rank concerning um, when I say our I say in Morocco concerning the socioeconomical economical indicators they are very poor. So it's three out of ten concerning the social economic level. The second. The problem which stops not to have a real economical freedom in Morocco, in my opinion, is the market organization. Do rules of the game exist for stable market-based competition? The question is yes but they are very weak so morocco is doing that certain anti-monopoly policy so this is why we do not have seven years after the arab spring a real competition and real free markets and uh, real capitalism we have many oligopolies uh, we have um uh, non-efficient anti-monopoly policy. For whom, for those who know Morocco, we have a few businessmen Control the main economic activities in Morocco. So this is concerning Morocco and concerning the uh, m- the market economy. Without any surprise, we can see uh, that the government, the governance index. So since we don't have competition, since we don't, we don't, we don't, since we have oligopolies, etc. The governance index. Is very poor in Morocco, and the situation uh, became uh, harder or weaker after 2011. So this is the case of Morocco: the absence of anti-monopoly law and the existence of some oligopolies who are controlling de facto the economy, prevents the economy and preventing competition in this uh, in this region. Why I took the example of Morocco first because it's my Country. Second, it's what the stable country in the region we did not have in Morocco we were not touched by violence and the so called Arab Spring. As I said, the, the growth is kind of stable but not able to create growth. And to create values because of inefficiency of economical freedom and because of the oligopols controlling who are the one who controls the economic economical sphere. I can give more details about who control what and how they prevent the, com- the competition during the discussion. So this is why I, I choose Morocco. As I said in the beginning, I took four countries and I want them to be representative to the situation of the region. So I will skip Tunisia for now. I will go directly to to Egypt. Egypt is the second country in which we had the Arab Spring in 2011. And this is the biggest country of the region. So if you want to understand the region, we definitely politically or economically need to understand the situation of Egypt. Concerning Egypt, the social economic barriers exist definitely. Um, This country depends a lot on the canal, remittances, oil product, um, from workers uh, working in Arab oil producing countries. And we have huge social economic barriers and a big part of the society is ex- excluded from the market. This is one of the biggest weaknesses why we don't have a real free market and we were not able to have a free market then real political liberty. And um, the second problem in Egypt is market-based competition. It's extremely weak. Uh, The economic reforms and adjustment programs initiated under the prime minister, uh, they were not accepted by the population and the corruption the corruption is very developed and the process was not transparent. And as uh, the persons who follow the situation of Egypt, we can hardly talk about competition. 40% of the GDP is controlled by the military who are excluding the fact to the private sector. So it's impact, the opportunities, and another point in which Egypt is doing very bad concerning concerning the market economy is the equal opportunity. We don't have equal opportunities between public sector controlled by the army and uh, the normal or the classical entre- entrepreneurs. This is the case of Egypt. So we are not surprised to see that after seven years, Egypt engaged in a serious, or, or uh, I'm sorry, in some reforms, but many observers, they consider them, them as cosmetic and not, and not enough. The Egyptian leaders need to take very courageous reforms. Among them, the hardest is the public expenditures and uh, the public servants, which is extremely hard, and tackling the issue of subsidies. Plus, given more room to competition and and to private firms who are ejected by the military. This is concerning the case of Egypt. As you can see, Egypt is a republic. And we go back to Tunisia, but I will take the case of a uh, petrol monarch monarchy, a, a Gulf country. Generally, this this Gulf countries they are considered as politically as economically free. But the problem, so we don't have this causality between the economic freedom in the indicators and the political freedom. In my opinion, this is kind of fake economical freedom. In all the monarchies, the court monarchies, you cannot own property without having someone from within, citizen from this region, who is taking or having half of your property. So we cannot talk about private uh, property in uh, in this re- region. So in, in these countries, uh, I'm talking about uh, the uh, I'm talking about the GCC and the Gulf countries. So concerning in Saudi Arabia, concerning if we put if we ask the question to what extent uh, they take into consideration or competition is, is is respected, the question here also is is no, uh, since the competition is fake in uh, many uh, countries in the GCC, and you can find some sectors in which you can. Not invest. And if you invest and start creating a real competition, you will be ejected, taking into consideration that the rule of law is extremely weak in this region. We all know that you can have economical liberties, but if you don't have a rule of law, you can we cannot have prosperity. And the case of Egypt, this is one of the biggest problems: the absence of competition and a weak, totally weak rule of law. Uh, totally weak separation of powers, totally weak independence of judiciary, and totally weak absence of civil rights. This is the case of nearly all GCC countries. So, economical freedom without rule of law cannot uh, flourish, and this is why the economical freedom does not have uh, uh, an expected impact. This is one of the biggest problems of Saudi Arabia. Uh, the second is uh, the, the stability of the democratic institutions. I won't talk about the case of Khashoggi here and that citizens are not able to be judged in just way and the total uh, weakness of, of the states and the, political, and, the, and the weakness of the party system, of the political system. So market economy without rule of law, without stability of institutions, and uh, without kind of voice and kind of fair expression um, during elections cannot work. So just want to stress that in these countries, even if we find in many reports, such as uh, Fraser Institute or Heritage Institute reports, that they are economic, Economically free, but we all know that the rule of law is extremely important, and the competition is extremely important. And this explains why United Emirates, explain why Qatar, why Kuwait are economically free. Uh, property rights generally respected, except of uh, as I said, you need to be uh, in, in some sectors. You need to, to to have someone from within, a citizen from within, being a part of. Uh, I'm glad to see Johnny uh, with us. We had a very interesting discussion about that and we are trying to write something about that the causality between political freedom and economical freedom in this region and please expect within a few weeks or a few months from now and something outcome from us about the link between these two countries but after our first uh, brainstorming, we agreed that even if we have kind of economical freedom if some indicators they show that we have economical freedom but the causality between this economical freedom and political freedom is still weak because in my opinion the absence of the real competition the rule of law is extremely weak and the judiciary system is extremely weak in this region before stopping I want just to shed the light on an interesting case or an exceptional case which is the case of Tunisia. Tunisia is quite exceptional, an average economical freedom, but high political freedom with Strong, quite strong for the region, rule of law and political participation. The uh, the, the the figures are uh, are high, and we have much more stability than the region. Economic market economy uh, still a little bit is one of let's say it's the same of Bahrain with some weaknesses. Uh, the main the main weakness is is um, a weak kind of weak property rights and a totally independent judiciary system but the problem is this country is in transitional period and they try to turn the page of the old regime and they try to make the businessman link to the old regime in for the transition and as we all know when you have transitional period generally people they ask for after having or after after demonstration or after changing the regime, generally the population is impatient and they want quick redistribution of money. So everybody is asking a lot from the state, which increases the burden of the state. This is the first problem. The second problem: we, the Tunisian, through new council, they are trying to make to ask the businessmen of the old regime to pay and uh, to fix the legacy of the old system this is why a lot of businessmen they run and they leave the country so you can imagine that the capitals and the money is leaving the country impacting very negatively the situation of tunisia so this is why we can have economical freedom and kind of political freedom but when we have this kind of instability when we have this climate of revenge uh, when we want this kind of people to pay for the mistakes of of others, it creates instability, climate of fear, and the economic situation of Tunisia is affected by all this climate. Good, so to summarize all that, economic freedom is fragile, despite of some figures, still fragile in this in this region, it's extremely important to empower it and to work on that, but working also in some specificities of economical freedom and rule of law of this region to be able uh, to take advantage from the changes in the situation of the Arab world. So I'm open to your question.
0: Linda Watson says you say that women's employment or was it unemployment was 20%. I did not understand which 20%
1: of unemployment. These are the official numbers. Definitely, we all know in this region how we find the numbers and how we add a lot of makeup to the numbers, but the real figures are definitely much higher and they are extremely high in this region. The most dangerous figures is the employment of youth. As as you know, the youth are the, are the engine of change, of demonstrations, etc. This is one of the highest figures in the world. Youth in this region, they don't have employment, they have diploma without having job, and they have oppression. So we can understand easily and quickly why they join by, by, they are attracted either by demonstration, either by violence, or either by extremist movements.
0: This webinar recording is brought to you by Islam and Liberty Network. If you are looking for more, you can find it on our website at islamandlibertynetwork.org. And if you want to help us, there is a donation button on the site. Thank you for listening, and we hope you found it interesting.